If you're currently working a nine to five in your career and want to transition into owning your own business, doing what you do, then you are definitely going to want to listen into this episode. I'm talking to Eli Gonzalez, who is the godfather of ghostwriting and is one of the preeminent ghostwriters in the United States today. Now, he's written books for ministry leaders and political leaders known all over the world. And to date, as a ghostwriter, he's written more than 85 books, many of which have reached legitimate bestseller lists. Now, it doesn't start there. Eli is going to share with us his story about starting writing in his career, working for another company, and then moving past that and opening up his own ghostwriting business. Um, Now he has his fingers in a lot of different pots, including various boards and associations, and he has actually founded the International Ghostwriters Association. So you are absolutely going to get so much out of this episode. So let's dive in. Welcome to the Well-Paid Creative Podcast, where we discover how to run a profitable and satisfying creative business. I'm your host, Gabrielle Chipier, and I'm going to share with you what I've learned in my 17 years as a creative pro, building my own business from barely scraping by to thriving. From attracting quality clients to charging what you're worth and creating amazing work you love without the risk of burnout and overwhelm. But I don't know it all, so in this podcast, we're going to learn a lot together as I interview experts and reflect on my own experiences, both the good and the bad. Before we dive into the show, if you want access to free resources, trainings, and a community of creative pros just like you, hop on over to wellpaidcreative.com where you can find all this and more. All right, let's dive in. Hey, welcome guys back to the Well-Paid Creative. I am so excited to have with me Eli Gonzalez, the godfather of ghostwriting. I am so excited to have him here today. Welcome, Eli. Thank you so much, Gabrielle. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, wonderful. All right. So for those of you who don't know Eli, he is the godfather of ghostwriting. Your accomplishments are just astounding. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about how you became a ghostwriter and kind of your your background to get to where you are today? Thank you. Thank you for that compliment. Uh, you know, the, the, the way I got here is by doing something nice for someone. I did a favor for someone. I was working as a sales manager. Uh, you know, life was going well. Wife, pool, wife didn't have to work. Life was well. Uh, uh, a former pastor of mine calls me and asks me if I could help him with his book. And I'm like, why me? I don't, I don't write. Uh, but I had done like a play many years before at his church and I helped him with his book. Turned out it was the second iteration that he turned into the largest Christian publishing company. Uh, and, and he told, and, uh, and, and uh, when he asked me to help him, I don't know if you guys don't know how pastors talk, but like they never have money, number one. And number two, God's always going to pay you back. (laughs) God's going to pay you back. I can't pay you. But Uh, anyway, I did this book for him. He tells them that, uh, and they're they're in Florida where I'm from. Uh, He tells them that that the person who, and I wrote the book for him, um, that I was local to them. They called me and and, and gave me an interview and I took the job making 30% less. Or, or only 30% of what I was making as a sales manager. But when I had the opportunity to make a living as a writer, I talked to my wife about it and she said, "Hun, you got this. I'll get a part-time job, we'll make it work. We, uh, we got rid of the, the, the high-end cars and got a little bit more reasonable. 
and I, I went after my dream of, of becoming a writer. And that's how it happened by, by doing a favor for somebody. Wow. That's amazing. So you taking that position at the ghost, ghost writing for this company led to mm-hmm. so much, like, tell us a little bit more about what that led to. Yeah. So what, once I, once I took that job, I, I, I doubled down. I went to writers conferences. I went to writers critique groups. I read books on how to write books. I, I mean, I was consuming it. Um, uh, within three months, I became their senior ghostwriter, and I got to pick and choose which books, which projects I would work on. And as you might imagine, Gabrielle, I picked the biggest names. So within a year of me ghostwriting, I was writing for people known all over the world in the, in the Christian community, some of the biggest ministry leaders. I mean, this company is the biggest Christian publishing company in the world. It's a publicly traded company. It's, 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 it's a, you know, it's not a, a mom and pop. Um, and as a result of, you know, their fame, their, their, uh, their notoriety, and maybe a little bit to do with my writing, uh, I've written, uh, 12 books that became New York times bestsellers. Wow. 12. That's 12. quite the accomplishment. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you got to sign these non-disclosure agreements and everything else. And, and before I sign these, I tell, I tell whoever I'm writing with, okay, I'm not going to say anything to anybody, but I'm going to tell my mom. <laughs> my mom has to know. <laughs> So, so, so my mom knows, and she she's uh, she's pretty proud of her boy. Oh, no doubt. I would be too if you were my son. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. So, did you stay with that publishing company, or have you since moved on to to other? Yeah, companies? I was there for I was I was there for three years, and uh, um, you know I knew the rate that they were charging for me. The rates for me just just you know after the first. Uh, New York Times bestseller. My rates went up, up, up for them, um, and I loved it there. And uh, and, and but uh, you know it was it was time for me to move on after three years. I started freelancing, uh, and thank God I never had the starving artist thing. As soon as I started freelancing, um, you know I, things just kept on going. And uh, a year after that, I started my own publishing company called The Ghost Publishing because I am the ghost. Uh, and uh, and that to today now I have a seven person company. Um, they're phenomenal writers and editors and, and designers. And, uh, you know, the crazy thing is Gabrielle, and, and for those guys, for, for those of you listening, don't put limits on yourself. Every single person that works for me. And I don't say, I don't like to say works for me. That works with me has a college degree, but me, the person that signs the check is no, no college degree. I was just an avid reader growing up. Uh, you know, my father, a pastor, just, just, I thought he was an amazing storyteller. Um, but that's all it took. But once, once the door opened, I just, I just barged through it. You know, like I said, I just doubled down and up to this point, I've written 85 books for people and we're still going strong. Wow. 85 books. That's quite the roster. Yeah. 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 And I, and I wrote, uh, and I wrote two books, uh, one last year, one a few years back that this year, 2021 are being converted into major motion pictures really yeah and that's cooler than the new york times stuff because i can't even tell people about the books for the new york times stuff but ever since i started like going on my own i i write i have my own non-disclosure agreements that if it reaches a certain status that i get you know the the recognition for it oh that's an interesting uh, clause in a contract yes yes and and you know and and it shows the client uh that i believe in the project 
and that I'm going to do my part to push it as well once it's out. Oh, wow. You know what? I love that because in episode 17, I talked about becoming invested in the outcome of your projects. And one of the mm -hmm. ways that I've helped myself do that in my own business is tying myself to that outcome, usually by money. <laughs> so profit yeah. sharing, uh, name recognition in your case, things that help you be more motivated to make that project succeed. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, and, and, and for you guys watching or listening, uh, it's not all about the money in the front end. The, one of the books that I wrote for someone, uh, the book's called Undaunted. It's a true account of a Holocaust survivor. And her, her story is absolutely incredible. Um, but they, they couldn't afford my rates. And, and you, you, you got you, you know, you to see when the universe is speaking to you. You, know? you, you got to be open to, to, to opportunities. And they don't look like great opportunities at the time. Uh, I made a deal with the, with the family. And I said, okay. You know, what can you afford? Because I have to write this book. Like, you can't give the story to anyone else. Um, and, uh, and, and so my clause was that my name is on the front cover. So that's as told to Eli Gonzalez. So now the guy who, who runs the, the Clearwater Aquarium in, in uh, obviously in Clearwater, um, I don't know if you, you remember the, the Disney movies, Gabrielle, A Dolphin's Tale? Dolphin's house too with, with, with the winter the dolphin doesn't have a, a, a fin or whatever harry connick jr played the guy morgan freeman's in this movie anyway the guy that harry connick jr played he read the book undaunted that i wrote and he's the one that's pushing it to Lionsgate right now to turn that book into a movie oh wow that is so cool and i love how serendipity happens there yeah yeah i just i just saw it and i said wow this is big this is big this is uh and, and so you got to take chances to, to, to be successful. It's, it's not all on the front end, you know, it's, and, and if it never happens on the back end, it'll come back to you. See, like, like, like if, if you, if you, if you're a farmer or if you're in religion, Christian, right, you're taught to sow seeds, right? So there's a lot of parable about sowing seeds. And the thing is, and we, we understand the phrase, you reap what you sow, right? That's, that's very common. But the truth is, sometimes you reap what others have sown before you. Sometimes you'll lay down on the shade of a tree that someone else planted, right? And, and sometimes you're called to sow that you're not going to reap from and that someone later is going to reap from what you've sown. So, so when you see opportunities to do something, and even if the money isn't right that time, it can come back to you later or you know, you're, you're going to walk into another opportunity that somebody set up for you. So, so the thing isn't just, just a cash and grab, mm -hmm. you know, it's, 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 it's just investing, investing in people, investing in your time, developing yourself and just, just, just being a good human being. Oh, and I love that, that idea of compensation may not always be money. It could be opportunities. It could be just network. It could be good graces and being open to that too. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, and, and it gives you, it, it opens you to proximity. So, so I have the luxury of, of writing books for very successful people. And, and one time I wrote a, a book for a guy, multimillionaire. Uh, he's, he's in Clearwater. We have some, some PR stuff to do. We're in a car for a few hours. And I just said to him straight, what's the secret? How do you become a millionaire? How do you become a millionaire? With notepad in hand, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I hadn't been with them for a couple of days now. So I'm, I'm like, I'm like, give me the straight dose. Like, like, tell me what to do. And I'll do. Anyway, one of the things he said was, 
serve on a board. Find, he told me three things, right? But that was one of them. And, and, and by the way, I was very disappointed with, with the answers because there was nothing concrete. Mm. And then I'm just like, why do you keep hiding these secrets? <laughs> <laughs> but he said, serve on a board. And I'm like, but you don't get paid. I do serve on a board. I'm on the board of directors for the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. I'm on the board of directors for, for college. Uh, and, and, and he said, and, and he said, what you get there is proximity, right? You find the big donors and then they appreciate you for what you're doing for your serving. And then the, the, the law of reciprocity, the way it works is he said to me, some, he serves on seven boards and he says, I get called into deals. I get pulled into deals that I would have otherwise never found. And some of these deals is what made my, my, my net worth. And, and, and so, so that's kind of what it's about, just being there, finding a passion, something that you, you, you really um, uh, believe in, serving in there, and you, you never know when things can open up, how things can open up. And so I started serving in other boards, and then I created my own nonprofit uh, to empower Hispanics through education. Uh, and, and we provide grants for, for middle school kids, for tutors, for high school kids that are going to college that come from single parent homes and grants for um, uh, adults who have been incarcerated, something to give them hope so that they don't resort to doing what they did that got them in trouble in the first place because hope is a life changer. And I, I gotta tell you, Gabrielle, I'm now rubbing elbows with very, very wealthy people, just like he said, but it wasn't to do that, it was to serve. Mm -hmm. And if you serve the right way, I mean, good things do happen to good people. I'm a firm believer of that. Absolutely. And you know what? I have kind of a similar story in that I started working in a lot of the theater and arts communities in uh, Edmonton up here. And a lot of the work was barely paid. <laughs> Such small budgets, <laughs> right? Uh -huh. um, but I just kept doing it. And I loved it. I love the people I work for. You know, I got free tickets to shows. And I got a bunch of little extra perks and stuff. And I just continued to show up and do the work. But all of these arts communities and arts foundations have big fundraisers all the time. So I would do all yes. the design work for these fundraisers and I would get to go. And that's actually how I built up a lot of my first high paying clients was meeting a lot of the donors and a lot of the businesses that were attending these fundraisers because I would inevitably be pulled over and introduced in conversations. And this is the person you need to know. And just that network that it just built my business so much in a very short period of time when I was first starting out, basically by giving away my work for free. <laughs> Yeah, that's that that is the secret. That that you know, but and and I get it when you first start, you know, if you if you're first starting a business, you know, you, you, the pandemic has changed the whole world and and a lot more people are starting starting online businesses and 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 writing and, and doing all these things. If you can get away with doing I mean, look, if somebody will pay for it, charge them. But to get started, it's you, you need a you need a you need a Rolodex of clients. You know, but 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 you can do stuff for free. Whereas there's no, there's no interaction or exchange of monies, um, but there's still things that they can do for you. You know, will, can, you, can you introduce me to 10 people? Will you put this on Facebook? You know, there's, there are different ways that you can start by not getting money on the front end. Absolutely. And of course, not putting all of your eggs in that one basket, right? That's not the only strategy you're going to be using. That's just one of many. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I love that. So when you were first starting your freelance ghostwriting business, how did you find the majority of your clients? 
Now, remember we talked well, a little bit about content creation and how key that was for your business. Yeah, so so I, I went to a networking group and I told everyone that I was a publisher because I had started uh, the, the, the business and, and nobody cared. I, like I swear, nobody cared. You know, it's one of these things, you stand up, you get to talk for 30 seconds, you sit back down. I went to the next networking group and I said I was a ghostwriter. Oh my God, I was like the hottest girl at the ball. Everybody wanted to dance with me. Everybody wanted my number, everybody, and, 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 and it just took off. Gabriel, within, within two months of me freelancing, I was writing six books at a time. Mm -hmm. Just with that simple change in how, what you called yourself. The pitch, the, I, I changed my pitch and, 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 and everybody and their mother wanted me to help them with their book. And so, you know, and, and the, the, the way I do it is I, I would interview someone on, on Monday, write for that person on Monday and interview someone else on Tuesday, write for that person on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And, and, and I, got, I got super, super busy really fast to the point where I had to bring people on. And uh, up till now, I have subcontracted 35 writers since I've been on my own. Or, yeah, 30, 35 writers. And, um, and then I formed the International Ghost Writers Association in 2017. I found that I'm not the best writer in the world, right? Like I, I found that so many people can write circles around me, but what they, and, and they would have an amazing business, but they don't have the business acumen. You know, a lot of them are introverts and I was in sales for 22 years and I was a sales manager before that, before I started writing. So, so, so I founded the International Ghostwriters Association um, to teach people how to make a business as a writer, as a ghostwriter specifically. Um, and that's where I got the moniker, the godfather of ghostwriting. Mm -hmm. I love that one. <laughs> one my, yeah. One of my students called me that. And I was like, what'd you call me? He says, you're the godfather. You know, you blessed me with this, like kiss the ring kind of deal. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, and see, and that's really prevalent in a lot of the creative communities. Like we get really good at what we do. So either writing or designing or painting or creating whatever we're doing. And that is the focus of our training for the most part, getting really good at developing that. And then we go out into the world and we have to all of a sudden be a business owner and we have to get clients and we have to do all of that business stuff that nobody told us how to do or trained us on or even really mentioned when we were going to, if we went to school for it. And we're right. expected to do this. And that's where a lot of creatives fail because they just keep getting stuck in focusing on one part of the business, which is the creating and when they really need to bring in this business acumen that you were talking about. So I love how that background in sales and sales management really helped you. You almost did it backwards. A lot of people start as creatives and then get the business knowledge, whereas you had the business knowledge and then got creative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I tell people that are very creative, but, but aren't strong uh, in, in business and in negotiations and, and in advertising or any, any of that stuff. I tell them, just partner up with someone. You don't have to be, you don't have to be King Kong and, and, and take on the world on your own, you know, find, find your weaknesses and, and find someone who, where, where that's their strengths. And, and, uh, you know, um, and, and, and maybe, you know, not partner up like 50, 50 in the business, but, but, but find a, find a strong salesperson and, and, and give them commission, you know, incentivize them on commission there, you know, uh, so many people are so talented and they struggle because they don't know the business side of it. And, and a lot of them is because they're too greedy. They want to do it all. They want all the money themselves. 
Yeah. And I mean, and part of it is investing as well, right? Identifying where you're not strong and either paying someone to either do it for you or paying to learn or get mentored or, you know, taking programs or, you know, even just seeking out paid products or because the paid versions are always more helpful than free stuff that you're Googling online. That's where you get the secrets and it's just like random stuff, right? That doesn't really yeah. make any concrete sense. So yeah, when you no, make that, that that's investment, so it just makes, it brings so much more of a payoff to you in your business. This has been an absolutely amazing interview and I don't want to take you away from it, but I just wanted to let you know that I have a brand new guide that I think you're going to get a lot from. It's called the three pivots for creating and selling profitable packages. And I know it's going to be right up your alley. So if that feels like something that you want to work on, go to wellpaidcreative.com slash pivot and grab your copy completely free today. Yeah. So, so the way we start books for business books, I like to start a business book or, or any kind of a nonfiction book with a, what I call a universal truth. You want the reader to think, okay, I think like this person, right? Um, so, so what, what, for example, a universal truth could be, you can't choose what family you're born into, right? Nobody's going to argue with that. And now you, 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 you've developed a certain kind of commonality with the reader that doesn't know who you are. But, but I say that to say that one of the universal truths that, that, uh, that I just did with someone is um, you grow a lot quicker with a mentor. And, and that's what we were just saying. You know, you can grow leaps and bounds, leaps and bounds. If you, if you, if you realize I need help and, and this person can help me and I would pay for this, I'm going to invest in myself. I'm so surprised how, how many people don't invest in themselves. They won't, they won't pay for it. And they can. It's not like they can't. They can. And, and it's, it, it's, it's, it's the steroids of business growth and personal development. So when I started, when I started uh, freelancing, uh, I hired a life coach because it, it, was, a, it was a new transition. I, I, you know, I, for many, many, many years, over 20 years, I was dependent on a paycheck. Uh, so, so, you know, I, I hired a life coach and we didn't have a lot of money at the time. And I hired a pretty good one and my wife really wasn't on board with it. Um, but, but I, I didn't hire a business coach. I hired a life coach that had serious business knowledge and, and really, really because it, I had to transform my priorities to become a, from, uh, to, to, to go to a business owner from an employee, you know, the way, the way I spend my time. And that's really, if, if people can understand that you have the ability to tell time what to do, then you're going to be a monster in life. And, you know, and so many people, Gabriel, oh, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. You have the time. You know, you, you have the time to binge watch Netflix, you know, a, a whole season in a weekend. You have the time. The problem is you're a slave to time and not the owner of your time. You, you know, and, and it's as simple as, as a spreadsheet with, with, with what you're going to do. At this time, I'm going to do this. At the, and you tell time what to do and make time serve you. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I've been talking changing. for years about mastering your schedule and how that's the key to 
reducing burnout, reducing overwhelm. And like you said, mastering time, because you can get so much more done when you have it scheduled into your calendar. You know, at 10 a.m., I'm doing my business writing. At 10.30, I'm going to do 10 minutes of social media. And then at, you know, 10.45, I'm checking in with my clients, you know, and it can seem overwhelming because it's essentially your schedule is jam-packed. But when you don't look at that and get overwhelmed, it's freeing because you know exactly what you're doing at any given time. Yeah, absolutely. So, so my life coach said to me, Eli, what's the four most important things to you? And I told him, right. And if you're a Christian person, you say, they say almost the same things, you know, it's God, family, ministry, the the business. And then he said, okay, here's a spreadsheet. I want you to write down what you do every half hour. Because in order for me to coach you, I need to know you. I'm like, okay, cool. So I was very transparent. Whatever I did, the bulk of the half hour, I wrote it down. When I met him again, this was now our second meeting. He didn't say it this way, but it kind of came across this way because he's a really nice guy. He has a lot more tact than I do. But basically, he was like, why did you lie to me? You said that these things were your four most important things. The most important thing to you is your TV because that's where your time is. And that, that, and, and I saw what I did and I'm like, and everything that I said was more important. I had no dedicated time for it on my, on the way I lived my life. So then he gave me the same spreadsheet that's empty. He says, now we're going to fill out how you want to live. So you can live because you're not the person who you think you are. So write down now the person that you want to be and let's live up to that person. Oh, I love and that exercise. <laughs> changed my life. Changed my life. And now whenever I'm off the rails or, or, or whatever, I go and I'll do my ideal week. And, and uh, you know, the secret to that is you got to forgive yourself because you're not going to be, you know, on fire, on point all the time. No. Yeah. But when you, you know, when you fall down, just, just do the next thing. Just get back up. Just get back up. Mm-hmm. You, you, you can get anything you want in life if you learn how to get back up. Oh, I love that. So as you have been growing this publishing company, and, you know, working with mentors and really investing in its uh, success, what would you say has been kind of the main lessons that you've learned working with clients and growing a business kind of dependent on the work of you and your writers? Yeah, I've, I've learned not to take things too personal. Mm. (laughs) That's a good one. So, so the first time I, I brought in a writer, and I have, my, I have my own proprietary ways that I write books, like The Universal Truth. And I have this whole... So, so I brought someone in. She worked with me for about seven months, did about three or four books for me. And then she left me, started her own thing, told everybody in our area where we live in that she used to work for me. And, and now... now um, all right, so this is business, right? So, so what they pay for her... Of course, the company takes some of it. So now she's telling people, you only have to pay me this much because that's how much Eli was paying me anyway. So now they were getting a super savings with someone who knows my system and had my seal of approval that I took all around town. And Gabriel, that's happened to me four times where people get close, they work with me, they know my system, they know how I sell, how I negotiate, they know everything and boom. And they start their own thing. And, and a couple of times I was scared. I'm like, oh my God, like, uh, how can I grow? 
all right, I'm going to be this lone wolf guy. I, I, but but I, I, I was born to be in a pack. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like being a lone wolf, you know. Uh, so the thing is, I, t- I, I had to stop taking things personal. And, and, and not, not even like, like, like hate on them. Just, just, you know what? I'm glad I taught you that skill. Best of luck to you. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, it's, it's a lot easier said than done. <laughs> well, it <that was> obviously <laughs> hasn't affected the success of your own company though in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's I, I believe that, the, the, you know, life, the, I, I believe in abundance, not scarcity. Like, like money, money. There's never a shortage of money. Money does not have the ability to disappear, right? There's, there's, the, the amount of money that's printed is still there. It just flows to different people in certain times. And, and a very, very uh, wealthy person that I, that I worked for one time, we put this in his book. He talks about money as an entity, right? And he says, money will come to you if it knows it can flow through you. And that is just, 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 just giving of, of not just money, of, of your time, of your attention, of your skill set, you know, and, and, and that's just showing the universe, like showing money, you can trust me with you. I'm not going to hog you up, you know, and, and, uh, and that's the way it is. So, so when these people started like trying to take my clients or, or you know, there's more, there's, there's not a, a shortage of clients out there for me in the world. If, if you're a writer and you want to be a ghostwriter, if you're a writer, there's not a shortage of readers. They're abundant. It's, there's, it's, there's no scarcity in readers. Just, just keep getting back up. Just keep writing. Yeah. You if know, you're a designer, and, 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 there's no shortage of, you know, clients that need design work. If you're a web designer, there's no shortage of websites that need to be made, right? There's always more. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. So you and that's and that's that's oh, sorry. yeah and that's how I've grown. I'm sorry. That, that's and that's that's how I've grown. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I I didn't let those people change me, and I kept hiring people, and it might happen again, but I'm going to keep getting back up. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> so you talk a lot about the importance of having a book. Um, now I wrote my own book last year, 2019, and that was a really fun process for myself. Um, doing all the publishing myself, doing the actual writing, realizing that, hey, I can actually do this. <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, how have you helped your own clients with writing a book? And you also have a challenge that I want to talk to you about too. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, you know, so we, we, do, we do a few different things. You know, we, we, we will write the whole book for you. You know, we'll interview you and write the book for you. Um, but, but we'll also coach people. You know, the, the, the end game is you got to reverse engineer. Right. So when I, when I take on a client, when the client's still a prospect, I, I asked them two years from now, this book was a wild success, wild success. What did it do for you? And, and that's, that's, you have to know the destination. So if they want to become speakers and get on stages, then there's ways to, there's ways to embed those stories in that he or she speaks and stuff. And there's different ways that you can write about it so that by the time the reader's done, they understand that you're a speaker. And actually, in that final chapter, in that final chapter, I, I, we have a process called New Normal. Now that they're done reading your book and they understand your intellectual property, they understand your methodology, we write something to the effect of, to your reader, close your eyes and envision yourself 12 months from now, now that you've applied these things. What does your life look like? 
if it's a book designed to help a marriage, what's your marriage like, right? What's your weight look like? How does your physique look like now that you understand these dieting principles, right? And so, so you, you have your reader envision them, their best outcome. That's new normal. But then you give them a call to action. And, and, and this is what's missing in almost every other business book that I know of. If you want to be a speaker, put it there in the book when people are still reading. You know, some people think that the book's going to magically transform their lives. You, you got to make it happen. You got to push it. Invite me to speak at your church. Invite me to speak to your group. I would love to go here. Go to my private Facebook group where I get on once a week and I give tidbits for free. And, and, and give, Gabrielle, when someone spent two, three, four hours reading your book, they will never be more inclined to go where you send them than where, when you're about to say farewell to them. And, 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 and so it, that by itself has changed people's businesses, have, have, has built them a tribe, has gotten them what they want out of the book. Hmm. I love that. And I mean, there's, it's just such an uh, expert authority maker, basically having a book. But you got to understand <clears throat> one of my pet peeves is when people say, uh, my book is like a, a, glorif- a book is like a glorified business card. Oh, it's way more work in a book than a business card. <laughs> oh, I, I like, I like, and, and, and those are the kind of people that write books and it really doesn't do much for them. Mm, I bet you their books aren't really what, that good either. <laughs> yeah. That, if that's the expectation you have, look, a, a business card, I don't care who designs it. A business card can't make you cry. It can't teach you. It can't make your heart race. You know, a, a book is a juggernaut. It's a wrecking ball that will smash through walls and show you down paths you never knew that you were destined to walk. But if you don't believe it, it's not going to happen. So, so a large part of, of why I think we're successful is that our clients have met that two years down the road. What they said to me, what they want from the book, when they've achieved it, we don't spend anything on advertising. It's all word of mouth. Our clients get what they want for it. Not all of them, of course. Um, you know, you, you, have to, you have to sell. I had, I had one client, we wrote an amazing book about ADHD, amazing book. Um, I got her on some, 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 uh, some radio spots and, and I had her on a TV show, but they canceled because they saw the radio spot and she, she was so shy. You know, she answered with one word answers. It was the most uncomfortable interview. Oh no, you know? poor lady. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's, it's such a shame, but, but you, you kind of need the whole package. Mm-hmm. And that's why when people say to me, hey, I don't have much money, but you know, you can get the royalties. I don't take royalties, by the way. Your book is your book. You get 100% rights, 100% royalties when we publish with you. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's up to the person on, on how hard they're going to go at it. Yeah. And so- yeah. Oh, I love that. So tell me a little bit more about this book writing challenge you have, like a 45-day challenge, I believe. Yes. Yes. So it was, uh, it was late last year. The pandemic's going on. And I had a meeting with my team. And I'm like, okay, guys, let's, uh, how do we help people? You know, and um, I, I had done a challenge. You know, uh, Tony Robbins had a challenge. And, and, and some of the guys, that, that, so, some of the big gurus, you know, that I watch, I, I was in their challenges. So we threw out the idea, let's do a 45-day challenge. Let's, let's not charge anything. Because, I mean, it is business, right? We will get publishing clients. 
but let's 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 just give. Let's let's just give and and offer a discount on the publishing side. That's the business side of it. So I put I went on Facebook, no ads or anything. Hey, you know I know I know a lot of you guys have tried to. We've talked. You know it wasn't right for you, the money, whatever. But now I'm doing this for free. And I had like 50 people join the challenge, <clears throat> and every day for 45 days at seven o'clock at night, including weekends. I got on and I taught and, 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 and I taught and I taught my secret sauce. Like, like the same thing I do for my most expensive clients, I gave that information away. And it, and it, was, it, it, was, it, was, it was great, but it was sad because some, some people just won't. I only had 10 people out of the 50 that finished their book. But I, 10 people finished their book. That's a great accomplishment you know, so, so, in 45 days. Yeah. So, uh, and, and uh, we're, we're going to have in March, we're going to have a book signing, uh, a book signing party. Uh, we're, you know, we're, we're in Florida and it's a little bit more relaxed with the pandemic. We can still kind of get together and gather and social distance. Um, and it's going to be a huge bash. It's going to be a party. Um, so I figured let's do it again. So we did, we're doing it again right now. We're in the middle of it right now. And this time we're charging $97 because, and we're not going to make you rich off the $97, but it's for somebody to have the skin in, some skin in the game. Uh, and so, and I'm starting it again for anybody watching or listening, get in touch with me. I'm starting it again in May. In May. Perfect. Okay. In, so in, in, I'm yeah. going to put all of the links to Eli's challenge down below. So if you guys want to go check it out and go sign up, if you're interested in writing a book or even just learning Eli's secret sauce, <laughs> then definitely yeah. go check that out. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So this is the last question of the interview. It's someone I uh, it's one that I ask everybody who's on the podcast. Do you have a hobby or creative activity that you do on the side just for yourself? I'm going to answer that two ways. Um, number one, I don't believe in writer's block. So I have a creative activity that I do. If, 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 you, if you have a, a comprehensive outline, you know, you know what you're reading about, writing about. People have writer's block because they don't have an outline. They write themselves into a corner and then they blame it on writer's block. I've written 85 books. I've published 85 books. Um, Writer's Block to me is like the Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, Kukui. I heard about it. I heard about it, but I have never, I've never seen it. Anyway, my creative prompt is I'll have my kids tell me 12 different words and they always throw zombies in it because they're zombie enthusiasts. <laughs> and then I will write a paragraph or two with a little a story with those words. And that gets my creative juices flowing. And then I can go to write. So whenever I'm unlocked, I sit down. I'm like, how do I start this? I'm like, quick, 12 words. And, 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 and I forget about the bills. I forget about the pressures of life. And I, can, I, and I tap into my creativity. So, so that's one. The second thing I do is I read. I read and just get away. I read. Even though reading is no much, not as enjoyable because now I read like a critic. No, you start to pick it apart <laughs> a little bit. What's your favorite genre yeah. to read? Fantasy. Fantasy. Oh, me too. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. funny. My husband laughs. He's like, I was going to buy you a book, but it didn't have any magic or dragons in it. So I figured you wouldn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, who's your, who's your favorite author in fantasy? Um, my favorite author. Um, I have a soft spot for Anne McCaffrey, her like Dragon mm -hmm. Riders of Pern series. When I was young, yes. I like loved those. Um, and then... 
you know, Terry Goodkind as well, mostly because he has so much to read. Like the man is so prolific. It's intense. Yeah. Um, yeah, those would be my top two, mostly because they just always come to mind whenever I think of fantasy. Um, cool, I also cool. well, just next year- finished rereading Stephen King's um, The Watchtower series. The, Dragon, was it? the Watchtower, oh, the Watchtower series. series. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, hopefully next year, Gabrielle, somebody ask you that question. And, and you'll say Eli Gonzalez because my fantasy novel Ooh, will be released. Yes, you'll have to definitely tell, send me a link when it's released. I'll, I'll go buy pre-order on it. <laughs> yes, November 2021. Perfect. A Champion's Legacy will finally be released. Perfect. Okay, and once it's released, we'll have to update the show notes on the episode and we'll include a link to go buy Eli's fantasy book as well. <laughs> cool, cool. Wonderful. Appreciate that. Well, thank you so much, Eli. This was just an amazing conversation. I really enjoyed myself and I think everybody's going to get a lot out of it. Uh, thanks so much and have a fantastic day. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're a fantastic interviewer. Oh, Appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Well-Paid Creative. All the discussions we have around these episodes mean a lot to me, and I love how much I learn from the creatives who listen in. Before we head out, if you want access to free resources, trainings, and a community of creative pros just like you, visit wellpaidcreative.com where you can find all this and more. Join me for the next episode as we continue discussing how you can grow and love a profitable creative business. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone you think would benefit. Thanks so much. See you soon.